0: The Lore Network. Nerds, geeks, and dweebs alike love their particular fandom and often challenge those around them to resist the temptation to become fans themselves. Welcome to Resist This, a podcast put on by Focus Fire Chat where I, a green-eyed music lover, blue true blah, blah, blah and blue crew 86 blue true blue true he's so true blue challenge each other to consume various books tv shows and any other fandoms inspiring content then discuss the ups downs insides and outs this episode if you can't tell since i'm doing the introduction is one of my <laughs> fandoms we're going to actually i basically have been talking about critical role nonstop for the last couple of months. And because Critical Role is hundreds of She made me watch she made me hours. watch
1: everything, guys. It was it was torture.
0: Yep. He did it all within a few weeks too. <laughs> no. Um I Clockwork Orange style. God, no, I actually just had him watch The Adventures of the Darrington Brigade, which is a one shot that critical role did based off of one character from the original campaign towards the end of the campaign and what happened to him after that first campaign ended. Um, it is a live recording in front of an audience and it is very um, Scooby-Doo in some ways.
1: <laughs> it's so Scooby-Doo. It's, it's great so sco- though. It, it's I great mean, though. to be fair, to be fair, that is an accurate summary of that group in general, mm-hmm. like also, um, it was uh, it was in Austin, I think was where they were recording mm-hmm. it live, uh, which was which was entertaining to begin with. Uh, it was four and a half hour campaign, which I mean for D and D campaign, actually that's or well, I guess it's a one shot. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean still for a and D adventure, that's uh it's eh, about average. I mean like yeah. that's that's a that's a decent adventure, and they they actually. I think they had two fights, two major fights mm-hmm. inside of it. So, like, it was pretty pretty good. Um, You know, with Critical Role being the group that it is, like, it always is a step above what everything, oh, yeah. what your, like, normal tabletop is. Sure. Um, Because all of them are voice actors, and so they, they're able to do that that, you know, that one more step into immersion. Like, God, Travis's macaroni freaking, mm-hmm. like, just... It just killed me like i couldn't i it's just like especially the final fight where he kept rolling his strength checks huh. Like, the smack talk that he gave in the stitch voice was just the best ever plus oh, the fact yeah. that it's travis so travis is like this massive human being and he's talking like stitch from lilo and stitch yeah. and he's playing he- a character who's like what like Two and a half feet, three feet tall. Yeah, so. he's playing
0: a gnome. Uh he's also like his most common voice acting gigs. He's always a bass. He's always this low, oh, yeah. low well, rumbling um, voice. And that's what his natural speaking voice is.
1: Yeah, he's Fred in Halo Five. Uh-huh. So yeah, he's I mean, he's got he's got that I mean he definitely like when he when he wasn't speaking in character, it was very disconcerting. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, well, speaking in character was disconcerting but then like when he spoke in his natural voice after you got used to him being an in character it was Mm -hmm. like whoa what's going on um whereas uh what is it um is it talison yeah talison uh uh, the Bear. he was doing the exact opposite like he was speaking like batman (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like i'm like oh my god i'm dying yeah um so yeah like would you say
0: that's your favorite part is the fact that they were basically taking these pop culture references and smashing them into the D &D world like that's what
1: a lot of them were they were so it was so bad like it was just like i mean it was just like it was so it was so hilarious watching them do different stuff like that and and it was it's always refreshing because i don't i don't watch critical role um Mm -hmm. for i i just i don't i that's not something that I, that entertains me in like i can't i don't know i don't know how to say that um it's entertaining but i don't like sit you down don't want and watch to
0: devote that much time to it
1: yeah it's like yeah. it's like it's like a tv show it's sure that i'm like i i can sit down and watch one and i'm like oh that's funny but then i have i have no desire to sit down and watch like the whole series i like it's um, in
0: podcast form that's how I consume I've it primarily.
1: Tr- I've tried to listen to them in podcast form. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, it's even worse for me. Okay. Because the the face like uh they are so animated mm-hmm. that like you lose I, I personally think you lose like sixty percent of the, the value of their interactions on just audio. Um
0: I can see that for certain situations.
1: Yeah, and so Pers- and I mean, yeah, but um what Was I gonna say? Um, but like, they they do one of the things that I love about that entire group, like that. Actually, Geek and Sundry really kind of encompassed this whole thing because they're well, part of Geek and Sundry now. They're not they, anymore. They're they're, they they're actually, not anymore.
0: No. So they had actually branched out and they have started their own studio. Oh, um, their okay. Owned, their own ask. They're actually developing a uh, animated series.
1: Oh Based wow. Based off of the original okay.
0: campaign and there there's a few other things that are in the works. That's even them. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But but they um, were originally Geek and Sundry part right. of
1: them. And Geek and Sundry has always done this thing where they let people be like 100% themselves. Mm-hmm. And they they promote it. like they they actually encourage them to and and Critical Role was always one of the the forerunners, I think, or I always got the feeling that for uh, the Critical Role group
0: mm-hmm. was always
1: the ones that they were unapologetically they found what they found funny, and they they did what they wanted to do, like you know, and that was yeah. kind of like when I watch it that is that's the part that I hone in on because that's what reminds me of when we did tabletop games you know mm-hmm. back in the day was we would do stupid nonsense all the time, oh yeah. and it's and it's like you don't plan on it, like you just literally do it, and there the the this particular one shot was. I think you were telling me this is like the one shots are basically the way that the, that Matt gets back at them and they get back at Matt from mm-hmm. from during campaign stuff. Yeah, very um, much so. It's like uh, Travis and uh, Liam mm-hmm. were the two that were just they. Oh my gosh, they were just constantly, <laughs> just constantly causing problems. Oh, and It was yeah. just, it was hilarious because I can see like. I can see our the group that I played with. I see our group in that group. Like, mm-hmm. that is exactly what we did all the time
0: with our yeah.
1: DMs. And I mean, it's just, it's refreshing because you can, there's, there's a point where, like, a lot of people try to do, like, this, like, forced thing where they, they try to be either funny or they try to tap into that nerd culture type concept. And you can, there's... There is none of that. Like this is not. Yeah, you know, like you can tell it's not really forced. Right. Like they all are really good friends with each other, or at least friends giant with each other. Nerds. And they, yeah, they all know the like intricacies of what they're referring to, which is mm-hmm. really cool to see. Um, I just, was, I, I really appreciated that.
0: What was the least? What was the thing that you liked the least about this particular one shot, or if you want to do it, your general critic. I mean, you were kind of like it's just too long and too much to devote. To, um, is my something-
1: my thing with well, my thing with I don't know, like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's the same reason that I don't really tabletop anymore It's like it's mm-hmm. just it's the the time. I I'm I am a person who when I did tabletop I was a, a skill monkey, so oh, like I would design. Decide- I would design characters that game the system using the system to benefit for uh-huh. stuff.
0: And so, like Laura's character with the monk and how overpowered yes. she oh God. was. When I love, I love monks. In the I, against, I absolutely, mm-hmm. I
1: absolutely love monks, and I love the fact that that was shown so brightly with Laura, who had no idea what she was doing and still destroyed things. Like I was yeah. like. Liam Liam was sitting at that other end. He's like, and there's the demonstration. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm like, yep, that, I mean, yep, 100%. Well, and then when, uh, what was the other one, the the combo of the rogue barbarian, when they finally, like, when he, that came out, everyone was like, wait, you could do that? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah. And Travis, I think, was the one that was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, Travis played the original Barbarian back uh, in the first campaign. That was he played Grog. Grog, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So the it's funny to watch the group play these characters because you mentioned that they aren't necessarily playing ones that they normally do. In the first campaign, Travis Willingham played Grog, a Barbarian. <laughs> in the second campaign, he's playing more of a sorcerer kind of character. And in this one, he's playing a... Cleric,
1: what would what was the other one? Oh, in the standalone.
0: Yes, in the standalone. Yeah, was, in the standalone. He's, he's playing he a like,
1: gnome war cleric.
0: Yeah, he's a cleric because he is
1: hilarious uh, because he does not understand spells. No, and spends an inordinate amount of time <laughs> cursing spell uh-huh. systems.
0: <laughs> uh huh. Well, I mean, it's just like <laughs> oh Marisha. no, like uh, Marisha oh, Ray God. has no idea how to play a bard, which is what uh, she yeah
1: because. That was what um, Sam, I think,
0: uh-huh, had originally. Played yeah, had, in the so, first like campaign. the entire time
1: you see, like I did, like how I mean, this again, this is this is a hundred percent what happens at a tabletop session. Yeah, it's like the characters or the but like the characters the the players who know what's going on with you know a particular type of character will constantly be sidebarring with you know the other character or the other players Mm -hmm. who are trying to do something and they they even like in this one actually they even got into an argument with matt on stage like Mm -hmm. i think it was laura got or it wasn't an argument but laura like the rules lawyering like she passively made a comment about well Mm -hmm. actually blah 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 and matt like nope like just just like pulls out like all these books and it was like i'm like yep that's a hundred percent Right there, that is that is tabletop right there, and that
0: happens in the oh, normal all campaign the, recordings all the... too.
1: Like, oh, does it? Okay, yeah.
0: Um, there, it's not like they pull it out all the time, but m- maybe once or twice, especially during battles. Um,
1: uh, I can see that. Yeah.
0: Get, every once in a while, you'll have to pull it out for a particular type of cantrip or spell that's mm-hmm. uh, not a battle based one. But, um, Liam is a really really good DM. Liam O'Brien, um, Sam has DM'd as well, and then Matt are all the I would say the most knowledgeable, of, and well-rounded.
1: Yeah. of the critters. In my understand. I was talking to my brother-in-law tonight about actually getting. We were getting, or we were over there eating dinner, and I mentioned that we were doing this recording, um, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you need to watch." And he said that there was another one where. <laughs> i like I kind of want to watch it just because of the premise of it, but
0: mm-hmm. apparently
1: Travis DM'd a standalone uh-huh. as Why as would... Grog as Grog.
0: Oh gosh, that one. Okay.
1: <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. Like you don't understand. It's not Travis. Like Grog in character is DMing.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> It's... Yeah, they've all, pretty much all have DM'd at least a one-shot. I think Ashley has not yet, and I'm not sure if Marisha has, but I'm pretty sure the rest of them have. And there's a really good, like, oh, Western horror one-shot. They did a Doom Eternal one-shot. Like, oh, they've God. got some really cool themes and some really cool stories that each grouping, I think Liam did a Christmas-themed one one year. It's just they're a fun group they're creative and it's exactly what you would expect a D group to do it's like oh
1: mm-hmm.
0: our favorite game right now is destiny we're gonna do a destiny themed one they mm-hmm. they don't they haven't done a destiny themed one but um
1: i'm surprised i'm both surprised and not surprised since most of them actually eh,
0: matt has matt, matt matt is human human uh male, male. i'm trying to think
1: I, I thought that another one of theirs mm, was but now think that i am thinking so. about it i don't think so
0: there's more from Firefly and yes. Destiny than anything. There,
1: right? I think what was it, Christine? Gotta to catch, catch them all.
0: <laughs> uh huh. No, these guys. Um, most of there's, there's quite a few of them who have been in The Last of Us. Um, Ashley played a main character in there as well as Laura. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Laura and Travis are in Halo Five.
0: Mm-hmm. Liam has done a lot of anime, as has Matt, who also did. McCree, Matt Mercer, he did McCree. He, <laughs> Matt's probably the, I would say, the most triple title experience besides Laura. Yeah,
1: he's he definitely has the most, he's one of the more prolific ones. I think Matt has also the best stories about trolling people. mm mm-hmm. um, Especially with Overwatch. I he'll, love he's the, watching that. <laughs> he's the one that jumps into public chats and starts dropping his, it's high uh, noon. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, what's going on?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam has done quite a bit too. I don't remember. I haven't skimmed through his IMDb as Sam. Much.
1: I think was more like voiceover, like um, uh, TV voiceover. Yeah. I think. Well, um,
0: same with tra- well, Travis has done quite a few video games too. Mm-hmm. Not as much as some of them. Ashley's done live Ash- action.
1: Yeah, I was about to say Ashley is a is she's in um, God. What was it? I was just the there was a TV show that she was in. I was just watching and she actually did really good or really like I, I, she shows up and she, I was like, whoa. And she actually has. um, She plays a nerd, too. Yeah. She she has cameos from Critical Role on mm-hmm. set. Like, it was yeah, really they, cool.
0: They had actually kind of tried to force her hand into making her do that.
1: Oh, did they? That uh-huh. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But uh,
0: that's funny. Let's see here. She's in Blind Spot. She's in Avengers. Spot.
1: That was the one it was
0: well that's not the tv show that's a movie um oh i guess it is a tv show it's yep. a tv show yes because that's yeah. the
1: one where she um has Patterson. she shows yeah she she shows up with the coffee mug constantly
0: yeah um let's see here and then talison jaffe is probably like besides marisha marisha is technically she's done really only critical role um she hasn't done a she's done maybe one or two things outside of Critical Role, but she is their creative director
1: and has been since. Yep. That's cool.
0: Yeah. She's been the uh, creative director since at least a bit before they left Geek and Sundry. And so all of their content on their channel, which is a lot of content. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah.
1: um, How many hundreds of hours of
0: and that's not not just the tabletop stuff. They do other shows, too. They mm-hmm. do um, a Be- Between the Sheets show. They do a Talks oh, Machina. The Between the Sheets is like an interview show where yeah, they just, go into their past.
1: There's some really funny ones. on. I've, yeah. I've seen clips from that.
0: I think my favorite content that they came out with recently is Narrative Telephone, where God. they... It's Josh, so good.
1: Josh keeps sending me the, so the videos good. of
0: it. They're so good. Like, you don't have to watch all of them. I just like watching, like, just half of it. It's just, it makes you happy. But the takeaway is that
1: Sam is a sadistic storyteller.
0: No. Watch Matt Mercer's second go around. Matt demolishes them demolish like lord like they're all trying they're pulling out all the stops to try to throw each other off for telephone all these different voices singing d- multiple stories within stories oh, yeah. like matt, they're I can doing see all matt. sorts of things
1: that is ridiculous well and that, that was yeah. the other thing like you see really with this one shot too is like all like matt i mean matt's always impressed me because as the dm he has to like snap in and out of characters like mm-hmm. all different characters on the fly which is just it's impressive in general but like all of them have such good they they all have their own way of acting that shines very well yes with this particular approach Mm -hmm. and it it makes watching it it definitely is one of those things where it it, i understand why people enjoy watching this so much is because Mm -hmm. they do they do live action storytelling very well yes even with even with the story arc of Duck Thulu or Quack Thulu which yeah. is the most ridiculous big bad but
0: it makes you so happy though it's like it's shit. great I think that is, is that would you say like your one of your favorite little characters in here or, like, I think
1: that like Quack Thulu like the the build up like the, the um, yeah the, the who apparently is also from the campaign i was looking mm-hmm, at yes. some of it. he's like he's apparently yeah. elsewhere um but like yeah his whole like the whole little tidbits of his totem like sprinkled in and all this stuff and like how he was like what was do it they were going do you going, dream
0: and duck do you dream and duck
1: <laughs> i'll teach you how to speak <laughs> hey lionel how do you say i'm sorry <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and just Matt has no fear of no, going into animal noises, none.
1: like absolutely without hesitation. Um, but like, just I mean, like his his like the hints that he sprinkles in to the quackthulu, which was just mm-hmm. <laughs> the best part was the map that he made oh, and yeah. the miniature of like the, the it's I don't even Matt, know what is it so like. It's like a he- he took a rubber, rubber ducky.
0: ducky. He took an angry rubber ducky, painted it green, attached. You can see the attachments in like a, a blow up of the image. Um, attached tentacles to it, and put the little like tentacles coming out of its chin with red eyes. And it is way bigger than the rest of them because it's it is so a rubber bigger. ducky. <laughs> but it's so funny. It, I when, he,
1: when he pulled that out like uh, not and it, the great thing is like you can tell that the rest of them also have not seen any of this like, uh-uh. because they all react the same they're like yeah. what yep
0: what did you think about the, kind of their improvisation style like their storytelling style for this in particular
1: um i so like i personally i i don't i don't like it um mm-hmm. but that's just personally i don't like that style um, as far as their uh, presentation of that style, I think they are second to none. I think that they do an amazing job from like from like a skill point. I, I don't I it doesn't really it's hard for me to connect with that particular type of storytelling because okay. I just that's not the way my brain works, mm-hmm. um, which is probably why i like I can enjoy it watching it. But that's why I don't have, like, this inclination to sit down, like, what is it, every sure. Thursday? I have a question
0: um, for you that kind mm-hmm. of relates to this. Have you watched any other of the live, like, Chris Perkins, uh, D&D Group, um, Acquisitions no. Incorporated? or No. There's actually quite a few out there who have done yeah. these live tabletops. Um, I have watched quite a bit of both Acquisitions Incorporated and Critical Role now and the the storytelling style between those two not only DMs between Chris Perkins and Matt Mercer are very very different. Um Matt tends to be not necessarily in this one shot this is not a good example of it but he's very artistic in Yo, his Yo yeah, I've seen a few
1: I've seen a few of like the normal critical like well early critical role. Yeah. series. And like I I mean like I said like the the reason I don't like it's not that i don't like it the reason i don't feel drawn to it is literally my person like just personal thing like from a from a skill point and i uh, like from other people i've encouraged people to watch critical role because mm-hmm. i recognize that these guys a they put a just enormous amount of time into preparing for this especially matt and mm-hmm. you can tell like you can tell with his maps with his miniatures and all that um like and then but on skill alone like you know even though you'll you'll see them make fun of each other for not knowing you know rules or stuff like that that's a that's normal tabletop banter that you're never not going to see but that being said they all know what they're doing like it's Mm -hmm. very clear that they acting but also just like again kind of going back to what i was saying you know at the very beginning it's like this isn't force. This is stuff that they are passionate about, and you can yeah. you can immediately pick up on that. And so, like when I say that I, for me, it's not like of like a super interest. It's not because of lack of skill or lack of um, passion or ability. It's it's sure. literally the the medium is just not my cup of tea. Yeah,
0: that's fine. This one, this episode in particular, is very. There's a lot of almost slapstick to it. Yes. And it's a nice break from some of the heavy stuff that they have told in their normal story. Um, Matt does a really good job of creating an immense amount of personal conflict within each character, uh, making them choose hard choices, making them suffer through things. Like in the normal campaign that they're doing right now, Ashley Johnson's character, Yasha, is a barbarian who has had struggles with not only her own personal rage, but also um, somebody took control of her for a while. Like, literally, she had oh, no wow. ability to take care of anything. And so she actually kills one of the main characters. Luckily, there's, they had the revive spell and the materials for it later. But she, while crying... Knowing full well what she's doing, but unable to stop herself, stabs one of the other characters to the heart, and it happens to be her love interest, possibly.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. So,
0: Matt Matt does a really good job of doing the drama as well as letting them do slapstick and beat each other up for fun, and oh my god, the silliness.
1: <laughs> that was that was the other thing. That was like there's a lot of references to previous like because mm-hmm. it's because it's a spinoff of the the main campaign mm-hmm. and i think that was like the first argument like air quote fight was the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. initiation process <laughs> and like i think it was sam i think tarion is the one he's like and i mm-hmm. learned this from my good friends at fox <laughs> and and laura laura leans back and looks because laura laura is married to travis and uh-huh. marisha is married to matt
0: uh-huh. um
1: and put Laura leans back and, like, throws daggers at Liam and Travis and, like, this is your fault. <laughs> you did this.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. Interestingly enough, I would say as far as the people who shine in this one shot, you mentioned Macaroni. You've also messaged me lots about Owlbear.
1: Oh, my God. Like, it's just... He does such a good job with it. Like it's uh-huh. just. I also do have to give a huge shout out to his <laughs> multiple pages of puns and one-liners. That uh-huh. went through. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, was, he's like. There was one where he. <laughs> there was one situation where he looked. Everyone was like kind of looking at him. He's like, I don't have one for this. Like <laughs> I, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this situation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> would you say those were your two favorite of the? Yeah, characters? I would
1: say like. Or yeah, Buddy was Buddy, Buddy up there. Buddy and Macaroni were my favorite, but uh-huh. Albert was definitely very close behind. Like and Buddy just simply because oh my god, like of all the characters, like he was the only one that I, I like Matt himself actually was like you could tell Matt felt bad beating up on him. Like Yeah. He's like and he made a comment. He's like, he took Sentinel, he knew what this was gonna do to him,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: like you could like there was a there was a couple of minutes where he's like and I attack buddy like and everyone's yeah. like oh well
0: Liam was also oh now buddy for God. people Banded listening up buddy too. yeah oh yeah Liam played an ogre <laughs> an ogre fighter with yeah. sent, sentinel <laughs> who couldn't and see. Who couldn't see? He was blind as a freaking bat. But they, Tyrion gave him goggles that made like Coke bottle goggles that made his eyes yeah, huge. They and were
1: goggles of eagle sight, I believe. Yes, it was it mentioned. Was,
0: oh my goodness! It's just funny You're watching pretty. Liam. Mm-hmm. Liam's just <laughs> hamming it up and pretty la- Like think of the guy, pretty lady that's- from uh huh. um, <laughs> Yeah, he reminds me of oh gosh, what's the name of the movie? Where they fall into the cave and there's a one eye is it one eye willy? Oh god. I'm not he's, sure. Oh my god. Goonies.
1: Goonies, Goonies. Oh, Okay. okay. Yeah, Goonies yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Okay.
0: Um Liam's character kind of reminds me of the the guy from Goonies that kind of the misshapen gentleman. Sloth. Yeah. Just in that same a yeah, little bit of I that same t- mentality. I can totally
1: see that. I, I totally yeah it but like, yeah. Between well, and and also, part of the reason that those two were like my favorite was because they made no qualms about the fact that they were literally there to to just be a thorn in Matt's side the oh, entire yeah. time. Yeah, like it, oh, it just it's just and and that type of stuff just cracks me up because you could tell like, and Matt did such a good job like staying for the most part professional. <laughs> Yeah, about it, but like there was, you could tell there was like I just wanted to, <laughs> like I uh-huh. think it was the Quackthulu where Macaroni kept rolling the strength saving check. Oh yeah, <laughs> and just... Matt Fi- like Matt filer he's like I have pages of cool stuff that this thing could do, and all of you,
0: uh
1: huh, keep making the saves.
0: Yep, I mean there's there's moments where the the team will roll really really well there, right? Like. Except for Ashley, she well, doesn't have
1: good D twenty. It is pretty though.
0: It's funny. It's it's always character based. It seems, and it comes. And oh, goes. is it? Okay. Yeah. Like she, I don't even know what I would classify her character as. She was a Brooklyn kid, essentially. It was the meme that she was. Oh going yeah, after. She,
1: she was uh, like a
0: mobster. A style. mobster, but, yeah. Damian. But yeah, but as far as the the character class, she played kind of a ranger rogue style character like very up and close dealing with knives flame knives and stuff like mm-hmm. that but she was
1: she was technically a fighter okay because she had um she had the the ability like fighters get in creating insane abilities but sure. like, they uh, action she, surge she had a- action. yeah action surge was the big one that she kept using
0: but uh i would say for this one shot Her character was much more animated than what she's played in the past or Mm, current. Um, The first campaign, she played a cleric who was very, very much so what you would identify as a cleric, like very good, very, very kind of cleric paladin character, Um, Joan of Arc-esque, very quiet. This current campaign, she's a barbarian, but she's also very quiet and unsure and... Mm -hmm. Was much more subtle. She was.
1: She was the one that played Pike, right? Yes. Okay. Originally,
0: yeah, yeah she was Pike, and she's Yasha. Um, Laura. I think this is a weaker character for her as well, compared to some of her others, because she played uh, Vexalia in the first mm-hmm. campaign, which was the sultry, take no, <laughs> take no <laughs> from anyone. And kind she would
1: like was it Sam that was that played because she she played Vex and Sam played Vax?
0: Nope. Liam played Vax. V-
1: Liam played Vax, okay. Yeah.
0: Liam was the rogue from the first campaign and Vaxeldon, He challenged a demigod kind of <laughs> character. And it was kind of Marisha's fault, because Marisha said we're practically gods <laughs> at the end of the campaign. Oh, no. And Liam with his ego as the character, <laughs> took up a challenge from a character named Artagan, who is a Fey creature who has been kicked out of the Fey wild and is in the uh, world of Alexandria, uh, and allows Artagan to strangle him to death on this whim. Like <laughs> they've got they've got some weird things that they've done. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. I mean, there are some loud characters. There are some subtle characters. This one's not so subtle. This camp. This one shot. No, this. Yeah, but I mean,
1: I think that I. I kind of again like anyone who's tabletop before. Yeah, one shots don't tend to be don't tend to be the like slow burn characters. Mm-mm. Like they. I mean, because I think even at this one, I think they started at level. I think they they basically played level 10, level 10 characters. Mm-hmm. They so did. it was like, you know, at this point as adventurers and everything, they were already story-wise established too. Yeah. Um, at
0: least within how the character would be
1: correct, comfortable yeah, with themselves. Right, right. Um yeah, no, I I I think like I do I do find it interesting how well, I mean, again, having Coming from a tabletop thing, like how they match it into the existing campaign that they're playing, because I think the first campaign and the current campaign that they're playing, they're the same world, There's, right? They're
0: the same world that Matt created called Alexandria. Um, they are on different continents, um, but uh, the events of the first campaign take place like ten years prior to the second campaign. Okay. So there are aspects that Matt will weave into the second campaign that are resolutions, um, random resolutions from the first campaign, like Mauritius' character Keeleth from the first campaign. It was this druid character loses her mother, like her mother becomes lost and she's never really found. Well, in the second campaign, Matt finished that story and closed it mm, and had okay. Keeleth's mom go back to Keeleth but it was oh, okay. within the story of the mighty nine primarily like the mighty nine helped get keyless mom back to her.
1: And the mighty nine is their current, current. adventuring mm-hmm. party. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Cause I know. So the first campaign was Vox
0: Machina Right.
1: Machina. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the, okay. Okay, cool.
0: So yeah, Vox Machina is the first campaign. They were, when they started recording for Geek and Sundry, they were already a ways into their campaign. Yes. An and established groups was,
1: that was when they transitioned to 5th edition, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. And I did not I did not know this, but um, I was talking, again, I was talking to my brother-in-law before we got on comms here. Um, and he he was telling me that Matt is actually pretty much responsible for the gunslinger class in 5th yes. edition. And Bloodhunter. Mm, it's just okay. a, a
0: fairly new class as well. He helped develop the Bloodhunter. He developed the Gunslinger. Um, the Gunslinger was a character that Taliesin played in the first campaign. Um, it was kind of artificer like
1: Ah, uh, okay. There were specialty okay. rules I, based on... The Pathfinder, right?
0: Kind of, yeah. Uh, that 3-5 era. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. But, Path I just I find it f I find Pathfinder's story or Pathfinder's arc hilarious because of personal reasons, but yeah, Pathfinder but... Pathfinder was born out of the hatred for three point five and mm-hmm. fell into the same trap. <laughs> yep. It's like it's, guess what, uh, guys? If you're around for a long time, things happen.
0: Blood Hunter's another interesting one. It's blood magic based. So you often take um, damage to activate certain powers and certain uh, perks on your weapons and whatnot. But that's another class I know Matt had a high amount of development time with. He's also released an entire book. Uh, a dungeon, not a dungeon master guide, but a guide to Wildmount, which is the location oh, of the current okay. campaign. I own it. It is amazing to read. It's fun because it gives you the history of the world, the political history, all of the stuff that you would need for a setting.
1: Um,
0: and I know he's consulted on quite a few other books as well.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's because I didn't. I didn't know that about, but I knew that he had home brewed. Like I remember mm-hmm. when they first moved over, they switched from. I remember them talk, because I was when we were looking at uh, Pathfinder, and I was like... Uh, because I'm a big 3.5 fan, to just mm-hmm. be fairly honest. Um, that's
0: fair. You like min-maxing. You like I do. I do. every like, little thing. I grew, thing. Like, I that's, grew up, that's fine. No, I
1: mean, like I grew up playing AD&D, so yeah. like, to me, that world makes 100%. I, I completely understand it. Um, I also recognize why no one like yeah oh no i (laughs) believe me i've played enough broken characters that i understand the the, the downside to it um but like so like when i when i first was introduced to critical role that was that was kind of like the way they introduced it was they're like oh well they used to play pathfinder and now they're playing fifth edition and i was like that's a weird transition because because i at the time fifth edition was brand new basically um
0: fifth edition was a I, fifth edition is a good way to it's
1: extremely well done like it, yeah uh, like a good as, way to get as, people
0: into it without breaking them on how many spells and yes. things they have to learn and it, it is it teaches them a lot light years ahead of easier. what
1: fourth edition was which oh was yeah a,
0: and i have 4e and 4e, 4E is, was a, it was hard to run idm I, 4e
1: i can't I, I i think i picked up one book and i was like oh the artwork's pretty that's the only bit that's like the only positive thing i can say about 4e like they they yeah anyways so like we were we were looking at doing a campaign in fifth edition and i was like i had no interest because of the whole debacle of fourth edition so they used critical role to show like no they they actually fixed a lot of that um so but i remember them talking about oh well this is a gunslinger i'm like that doesn't exist like that i mean it did Mm -hmm. it did not at the time really Yeah. Um, and so that's when they I figured, I found out that Matt was doing all these homebrew stuff, and I was like, oh, okay. So that's actually one of the things that I actually was paying attention to them back at the when I was first introduced to them, um, mm-hmm. because that was from a DM standpoint. I was looking at how they were doing homebrew conversions and stuff, and sure. I mean, Matt Matt does amazing work with that. Yeah, um, he
0: has a really good conception of the balance of what things yes. would need within the game to make that class stand out but not be broken. And, mm-hmm. like, one of the things that Percy had to roll for is a backfire effect. He had to roll, if he used his weapon, he had to roll a backfire effect. And if he hit, hit oh. rolled a certain number, it would actually do damage to him, too. So that was like that one makes of sense. The, yeah. the trade-offs make, that yeah. ha- could happen. But, um, Matt does a not just homebrewing a uh, character type, but he also homebrews a lot of items in their campaigns. Mm, and, okay. Um, one item in particular that I don't know if this is an actual D&D item. I've never heard of it before, but the Dust of Deliciousness. It's a <laughs> uh, charming effect. right <clears throat> Thing, that if you sprinkle it on food, it makes it delicious, and you are you have to make a wisdom saving throw. I believe is what it was. The and, possibilities of oh, shenanigans yeah. on that, <laughs> but it was something they they picked up really early in the campaign, like maybe episode five, and Laura uses it in like episode eighty. To actually break a curse against one of the other characters, like she manages to pull this off, and it is one of the most epic moments. But it, you get these tools, and Magic sets you up with these weird items that are so specific to a particular like thing, like food, or like some things just they're one use items, spells, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things like that. That you would have to be in a very unique situation to utilize it, but it allows the characters and the players to come up with creative solutions for these problems with these random, like they had fireworks for a real long time, ball bearings for a real long time. They would set them off constantly, the freaking fireworks. (laughs) Marisha's character loved just all over the place.
1: Well, because that was uh, Trinket. Was also the, what uh, was that? Uh, Vexes, wasn't it? Wasn't Trinket uh, the bear or whatever?
0: S- Sprinkle, maybe? No,
1: no, Trinket, Trinket, Trinket was the. I was, was it the big bear. bear. I,
0: yeah, the, she has. Sprinkle is her ferret in the second. Oh, entry. okay,
1: okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. She no, loves I, pets. <laughs> Which doesn't surprise me but like i just remember them doing like crazy stuff with uh with the just giant bear (laughs) where they were like they have to like coax trinket to do certain things Uh because it's like it's a bear it doesn't want to fly and they're like but we can't let him die (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of shenanigans that they come up with do you think this episode is a good standalone to give you an idea of how crit roll would yeah, go. I think
1: I think so. I think it also does. I'm I'm not sure what. Well, it takes place after the current or the after the first campaign. I don't know. Does it take? I, is it? But it's before the second campaign started. I don't uh, know when the they recorded chronologically. It. Well, chronologically, uh, I'm not sure where it stands either. I know it takes it, place it, after it the first it campaign. It takes
0: place while they're recording the second campaign. Okay,
1: okay. So I think like for that for that piece, it definitely shows um how far they've come like Mm -hmm. i think you know critical and i know we've had this conversation a lot with critical role because it's like it's such a difficult question of like if someone wants to get into critical role where do you start it's like well you i know like a lot of people are like you got to start from the beginning that's the dumbest idea in the world yeah Uh, so you'll you'll (sighs) never you'll never catch up you i mean just let's call a spade a spade you're not going to catch up
0: even that, you have to also think when they first started recording for Geek and Sundry, there was so many audio issues. There were issues well, they, with lighting. The, they were recording far from home. Come. Yeah, um, the I remember
1: th- they used to do like like the format of the like actual how they sit mm-hmm. is changed completely.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: because like it used to be this really awkward because they had you know the studio recording that they or the studio that they recorded in was not really designed for them right. and so they had this awkward setup and and then I can't remember but I remember coming to because my my wife loves watching this and I remember walking into the room one time when they were doing I don't think it was really recent but it was like uh, like a year or so mm-hmm. into it and they had already changed everything and I was like oh, oh that yeah? makes a lot more sense like because the the camera they had actually like dedicated cameras to different mm-hmm. things i was like this makes so much more sense in their layout their stream was smoother like i mean yeah oh yeah they've, they've come gotten, so far
0: they've gotten better and they have a new setup even now for covid they actually sit six feet away from each other in their own personalized tables for these recording sessions, and they all have individual cameras. For much of Campaign 2, they still set in a, like, you're on one side of the table Mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. like, three people, and there's four people on the other side of the table, and they have a special made table that is more like a kind of a diamond shape that allows for the game mat to be in the center Ah, okay for the crew to be in more of a V formation, so cameras and being able to look at each other and whatnot, it's a little bit
1: easier. Just from like an overlay standpoint of their streams too, Mm -hmm. they they have come light years. The one thing I would caution people who are going to, or who are interested in watching this particular one, A, it's four and a half hours. So, you know, just take it in, take it in chunks. You know mm-hmm. that's but um it's also a live recording like and it's not a live recording like live stream like they are literally on a stage and they're recording it from like the back of the 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 ground floor um so like the pieces that were like kind of frustrating was there were there were a couple times where people would stand up in front of the camera um, yeah you know and but it it's not. Like that has nothing to do with their presentation, but it, it's you know it is a live recording on a stage, and that mm. is that is a tough thing in general. I mean, like I I was impressed that they pulled it off. First off, because yeah. that's that's it's one thing to do a live stream where you're in a room with you know camera people running around. It's a whole different game when you go out onto a stage, and there was I think there was like fifteen hundred, two thousand people there. Or so. Like it was a. Re- ridiculously sized crowd. It was three tiers of packed yeah. people, um, and that's they, that's got a, that's well, amazing too.
0: And it's one of those things. These are all actors, as right, are fair, s- fair, Some of the ones from Acquisitions Incorporated, like Will Wheaton, was on there for quite a long time with Acquisitions mm. Inc. But the crew themselves, they have a lot of stage presence and acting, and some of have some of them have done theater in the past. Um, But as far as where to start, the big rule of thumb that I've heard is that if you are truly wanting to start near the beginning, start around episode 28 in the first campaign because that's where they get all the audio issues pretty much cleaned up. And then if you are like me, I started with campaign, uh, campaign two just from the beginning there. And something to remember when you're starting any D&D campaign, if you've never played D&D or or watched D&D, is characters are often very one-dimensional when you first start playing. They don't have a lot of story depth. Mm -hmm. They have very basic concepts that they're dealing with. Um, And so the acting is very, it's not one-dimensional acting, but it's very, they don't know who they are yet. And so you get to watch them develop their characters. And you the fun thing with Critical Role, and I've actually shared this with a few people, is that they do a really good job of, in improvisation, you don't want to say no. You say yes. And so they will assign certain things to each other as a canon aspect to each other through this improvisation. Marisha is really... Probably the most notorious for, like, assigning different things to different characters, um, being afraid of certain things. Uh, I don't remember if the goblin character in the second campaign was initially afraid of water, but very soon was assigned to be afraid of water, thanks to Marisha. But it turned into a really dark, cool part of her backstory that you find out later on as to why she's afraid of it.
1: Huh. Okay. That's I mean that's a that's a cool way of uh doing like co co-creating a story too. And I think that's 100% accurate cuz not only are they getting to know their character, they're actually getting to know the, like the the character like mm-hmm. actually the 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 you know the character sheet cuz a lot of them are probably playing different classes and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of learning curve, but it's really Matt is very patient with them and knows the classes inside and out and helps them with them often, which is nice. But if you were to pitch this to anybody, how would you pitch it for this particular
1: episode? This this particular one? This is literally like taking an actual tabletop game and putting it on a stage. like. I mean, if you want to see like for people who don't know what that means, if you want to see what that means, this is a great representation Uh, for people who know what that means. It's just as hilarious and just as funny as you're probably remembering. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is the best of tabletop. These are the best aspects of tabletop in a four and a half hour segment. And I, I really like that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it so much was because of the memories that it actually brought up from my own you know years of playing this not not fifth edition but years of playing D&D and doing all the the just stupid shenanigans that you that you can only come up with in the moment of doing stuff with other people um you know there's the constant like badgering each other and and picking on each other and double dog daring each other to do this who can do the stupidest thing and get away with it um who wants to do this thing and try to look the coolest you know there's that constant competition going on between all the characters they they nailed it a hundred percent this is this is a tabletop game of D d put on stage with people who a have experience acting and are really good at doing voices so it's mm-hmm. it's even better because you have that that additional aspect to it
0: you know what's funny though is even some of their characters they're they're really good at doing voices but sometimes they choose voices that they're not very good at uh a spoiler for a character in the second campaign he it's not actually a spoiler he's one of the initial characters in the first campaign he tries to do this irish accent (laughs) and he can't and like he <laughs> he just flies in and out of it constantly and there's actually moments in this one shot where they tease him for it because laura does an irish oh thing my gosh accent. is that what
1: that was coming that's is what that what that was that's about oh, okay uh-huh okay. because
0: uh talison is terrible at doing irish oh my
1: gosh and yeah. marisha oh, is man. doing the the irish accent of no because uh, Lo- sh- no, it's the bard
0: marisha doing, is doing the trans pacific oh, oh, accent yeah she's doing trans-Atlantic, the transatlantic yeah, transatlantic the, accent the, the uh old time radio, radio voice <laughs> the adding of syllables
1: yeah she's <laughs> god the travis calls her out on that
0: <laughs> uh-huh. it's like
1: what did you just say? yeah she's
0: uh. i mean she's also not that experienced with accents no, oh, no, yeah. uh, she. I
1: mean, she nailed. I mean, she does a really good job with the bard. Uh, oh yeah. The the best part is when she casts spells and she doesn't understand them, and yes. Sam is sitting next to her and going, "No, don't
0: do that." Color spray.
1: <laughs> Color spray and thunderclap. <laughs> They're
0: very specific. <laughs> oh, the thunderclap moment was. I just love that because. It caused like, the, all the animals to disappear.
1: <laughs> Which then came back a bit. Oh my gosh, yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean, though, is that that is the tabletop aspect that they just capture perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, really, that is, that's how I would I would sell this, is like, this is the best aspects of D&D. Like, this is what I remember when I, when I remember the fun that we had tabletop gaming this Mm -hmm. is what it was the that that entire attitude that entire just the the general friendly competition among the players and you know against the dm but the dm like they're all helping each other but they're all trying to one-up each other in a friendly Mm -hmm. way um a hundred percent a hundred percent captured there
0: yeah absolutely if you guys want to watch critical role if you just want to stop in and see kind of the what phenomenon it's become, um, it's really easy to find because on Thursday night it is almost always the top of the Twitch uh, platform because there's uh, generally lately over 47,000 people watching them on Thursday nights, and I believe it starts at 8 p.m. Mountain, so that would be 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific is when their streams normally start, and they do last a while but mm-hmm. they are pretty entertaining and i like to have them on while i'm working on other things or even just watching them it's um it's a good way to spend thursday nights at least for me but do you have any final says on no no i this think group?
1: i mean yeah i think this is definitely a a good snapshot of what you're getting yourself into with critical role
0: oh yeah the Darrington Brigade is what the episode is called. But uh yeah, again, still don't have an outro, have <laughs> no idea, but you can try to resist this.